All right, welcome everybody to episode 35 of the Unified Rules of Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Hamidi, Edmund Kwan. How's the day treating you so far? Pretty nice. It's that summer heat time, you know? It's starting to get really, really warm. You know, it's interesting that you're saying that because I was about to mention something along those lines as well as far as talking about it's starting to get warmer, it's starting to get hot, and it's kind of one of those things where we're going to have to do some some test recordings to see if we can have fans or air conditionings on while we're recording. Oh, man, I just embrace the heat and sweat it all out, really. <laughs> okay, then never mind. Then we don't need to do that. <laughs> we don't but, need uh, to do that, I guess. But dude, I don't I'm, I'm the kind of guy who will not turn on AC until until the very, very last moment. And why is it to like save the, on yeah money the minority the minority conditioning of saving money okay, okay. on the bills <laughs> <laughs> okay what we're gonna talk about is you know it, it's interesting how this whole thing started because a couple of months ago we did an episode where we talked about things that we miss about mma then it kind of evolved and then we were going to mention other things and that it went into a talk about martial arts styles and the evolution of that and it's funny because the original concept for that episode was going to be i was going to say my part or i was going to say the thing that i missed but because we had the conversation we did we have we never actually got around to it so now's right. the time I'm, I'm waiting man many many weeks later you've <laughs> been holding it all in it's well all pent up well, hey, man, we had the conversation about martial arts disciplines. We had UFC 274 coming up. So it makes sense why we had to delay it until now. But yeah, I can go into that's basically the point of this episode is to talk about the things that I miss about mixed martial arts or the other things. So in the original episode, I was talking about how I miss certain companies existing and all that stuff. But the other thing that I kind of realized that I miss is that I, I don't know if you'll understand what I mean by this, but I miss the, I get, I guess I miss the, the, the types of, I guess the simplest way I could put it is the names. I miss the individuals and the names that used to be in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Like, particular fighters i was gonna say type of fighters but i don't even think it's appropriate to say that because it's not necessarily i'm saying oh i miss the jujitsu practitioners or all that stuff it's literally just the names that used to be in the sport that are either towards the end of their careers or they have retired completely do you get what i'm saying i think i do <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if you want, I can give you some names to try to give you an idea of what I'm getting at. I mean, are you, are you just saying you miss the old fighters of back in the day, or are you just missing the, I guess, the branding of fighters? No, of no, no, not the branding of fighters. So what I'm saying is that I guess here's the best way I can put it. I remember some time ago, I was looking at the rankings of the current UFC roster and I was thinking to myself, I don't know who these people are or I'm not as familiar with them. Or for instance, I wrote down a bunch of names that are on the current UFC rankings and I, I took note of anybody who's either I don't know of or just people that I'm not as familiar with. And then there are some names that I separated that really stood out to me and stood out to me in the sense of, okay, these guys are in the rankings. They're doing really well. They're rising up. And I'm sort of had the, the, the reaction of where the hell did these guys come from? For instance, Mirab Divalishvili, who's in the bantamweight rankings, Song Yadong, who's also at, in the bantamweight rankings, Arnold Allen, Bryce Mitchell, Sadiq Youssef, Armin Saryukian, that's a big one. Brad Riddell, Shavkat Rachmanov. And then, and then a couple of people, for example, like Sean Brady or Andrea, Andrea Lee. 
those are individuals where I really had no idea who they were. At least, for instance, with Armin Saryukian or Song Yudong, I at least heard their names in the various podcasts I was listening to. But with those two, I, I just had no idea. And I was thinking, where the hell did these people come from? So what I'm getting at is that I guess there's not that same type of attachment, I guess. Or I don't know, I just don't have the same kind of fondness or, yeah, attachment to these fighters like I did when I first started watching MMA in 2006, 2007. I totally agree with you on that part. Yeah. I definitely hear a lot of names in passing nowadays on maybe like a quick sports update or I read it in a tweet or an Instagram post or I see a quick little highlight clip on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or something. But yeah, I, I definitely don't feel a big attachment to a lot of, I mean, I, I got to say probably really good fighters who are pretty high ranked in their division, but I just don't have much of an attachment like you said just because I, I think part of it is the sport's grown so much there are so many good fighters in every division and there are also more weight divisions now too it's mm -hmm. it's a little overwhelming to keep track of everybody you know what i mean now does is there anything to say as far as the quality of mma fighters these days that kind of makes the the ranking shift a little bit more or just has more people coming in because like basically the competition is harder so it's kind of harder to remain at the top because everyone is so good now is that is that would it be fair like maybe that's a cause or that's a reason yeah i think so okay. i mean looking at from back back in our day back in like the early mid 2000s there were five weight classes exactly <laughs> man dude that was i gotta say that was really easy to keep track of when you just had heavyweight light heavyweight middleweight welterweight lightweight and that was it yeah and i think that was part of the appeal of the sport for me because i never really got into football or basketball or baseball just because every team had such an extensive roster of players it was hard for me to keep track of everybody but you couldn't keep track of like the main like the for instance the starters and then maybe some of the key bench players i i i could it was just even then to me at the time it was a lot of names for for sport where la at the time didn't have a football team so i didn't care much for the nfl yeah for basketball yeah i, I cared about the lakers because early 2000s we still had Kobe, Kobe Shaq dream yep. team you know yep and then the three peats that's yeah. that's why that's why a little bit of a fun fact for people who are listening to this podcast in Los Angeles in I would say about late 2001 going into 2002 the two most popular flags you would see on all the cars in LA were the American flag because of the stuff that happened with 9-11 and then Lakers flags every car you would see every car in la you would see one if not both of them dude i mean i remember the day of the three p i went to school and the school was empty like everybody went to the, the to parade. downtown yeah just go to the parade unfortunately i did not have cool parents like that who would like just take me out of school <laughs> to go to the laker parade but I like school. I was a nerd back then. But yeah, school was empty. It was weird to me. I was like, mm -hmm. where is everybody? They're all at the parade. My parents are kind of along the same lines. They weren't going to let me miss school to go to that. But I guess that's kind of a good way to think about it in the sense of, you know, you have tougher competition because it seems as though everybody's kind of on equal level or everyone is so good it's hard to be at the top for a long time and then also yeah the addition of weight classes where once the wec got absorbed into ufc you had the featherweight division the bantamweight they eventually added flyweight and then all the women's divisions and such but i feel like part of that is needed in order to give more fighters 
to give more fighters more opportunities because for instance if you have a guy who's at bantamweight there's no way that he can fight at lightweight it's like you want to have something available for these guys and and girls yeah i mean it's the nature of a sport being bigger and more popular yeah i also think i feel like now we also have a lot more fighters jumping up or moving down in weight classes like just moving around in the weight divisions yeah and it's really confusing to know who or when or what weight they're fighting at you know what i mean a little bit i i mean i mean uh, it's usually I, I, pretty I big but i mean you... see see here's the thing it's difficult for me to say oh yeah it's hard to keep track of because something that you know, you should something that you admin like having this conversation with each other and just in general, anyone who listens to this podcast, I've been following combat sports and prize fighting for so long that a lot of this knowledge is kind of ingrained in me. So it takes a little bit of effort for me to sort of sometimes it takes effort on my part to see, okay, knowledge that's so innate in me may not be for this person and it's not as easy to follow. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming at it as, I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore fan of the sport. Like, I love the sport. I've been following the sport for a long time. But I wouldn't say I'm like a really, really hardcore fan of MMA. You know what I mean? Mm, really? Like, okay. if there's any other sport, I don't really follow any other sport but MMA. But it, it's, I don't. I don't delve too deep into remembering a lot of stats or like a lot of the rosters. Mainly, I feel like I've been a long-term kind of like casual, casual, hardcore in between there, that kind of fan. And when was that? Because we've had conversations about this in the past where you've said that kind of happened around the time WEC got got merged with ufc is that kind of like yeah. the time that that That's sort of a... range between casual and hardcore started right just because i think around that time a we had a lot more divisions and a lot more fighters joining the ufc yeah b i was in that point in my life where i just had more life responsibilities yeah I yeah try to be an adult work a job pay bills and all that right stuff. right yeah so i it was like a one-two combo of like life and the sport growing at the same time yeah and Which... it's like it's it's not that i don't it's it's not that i'm not following it anymore or I'm, i don't want to like follow it or i'm i'm like but it, it's i only have so much time to allocate to this sport and hobby it's yeah i tend to gravitate towards the bigger fights the more established fighters in the media the bigger names i guess yeah yeah no i mean i i get what you're saying just as far as i guess talking about having more responsibilities for me that's kind of that that wasn't the only reason but that was one of the reasons why for instance 2009 when i started in college i stopped watching wrestling as often just because it was sort of one of those things where I had more responsibilities. I can only really devote so much time to things. And it's like, at the time in my life, between MMA and wrestling, I was going to go with MMA. And, and to kind of support your claim, here's the thing as far as for me, how I kind of became unfamiliar with the fighters and stuff like that. Basically, I think what happened was that between 2019 and 2022, I myself was busier with things in my life. And I'm not just talking about professionally, I'm just talking about personally. Just, I had other things going on so I couldn't keep up with the cards or watch them as often as I would like. Because for instance, I'll look back in 2019 and I'll look at, for instance, the, you know, there was like a Jared Cannonier versus Jack Hermanson fight. I'm just thinking, man, I don't even remember sitting down to watch that or if you were to ask me okay who fought on the event in mid-may of 2019 i i mean i could tell you the pay-per-view but the fight nights i can't tell you yeah <laughs> like i guess what's a little i guess now that i'm thinking about this or now that i mentioned this 
it's a little interesting in the fact that I feel like maybe I got a little maybe I kind of got back to being a little more familiar when the COVID pandemic happened. I could see that. I mean, well, yeah, because if there's less things going on, then you have more time, I suppose. Yeah, funny enough, I, I had the opposite effect because I had more things going on during that time. Mm, okay, like like work-wise or just... Yeah, there, it was like... just trying to figure out my living situation and all just because the world stopped, but I still had to find a way to pay bills and all that, especially when, for whatever reason, the unemployment didn't go through for me. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough time. N no, I mean, well, yeah, of course like it that, was. But... I mean, of course it was. It was a global pandemic. How could it not be difficult for people? But I, I guess, like, just from doing this podcast, it's kind of got to me a little bit more familiar and a, a little bit more familiar with, like, who are the current names right now. And I don't know. It's just now that more time is passing, it's getting to a point where I'm just like, okay, yeah, these these are people that I need to pay attention to or just that they're they're making more of a name for themselves it's not like they're ranked 15 they're like in the top 10 now yeah i do have to say i've said this before doing this podcast has helped with keeping me in the loop a little more yeah yeah i do remember you saying that yeah because before i just kind of see whatever's trending on be it facebook social media yeah instagram twitter whatever mm -hmm. and that would be my main source of just news and info into the sport whatever's trending and i guess you do miss out on a lot of the not as widely promoted fights or fighters yeah and there are some good fighters in there I mean, it makes sense. If you're not able to watch all the cards as often as you used to, then it, of course there's going to be certain developments or people who are on the rise that you that you miss. And you know, I gave an example of like names that I mentioned, like the the really big names. Also, Yan Xiaonan. That's another name where I watched some events in the last year. I'm just like, well, okay, where where did this person come from? But that's not even taking into account all the other names who are in the rankings right now who I'm not as familiar with. I think, I mean, I don't know. It's just part of it is, yeah, being a little... Like, I, I think it's fair to say that part of it is being an adult because, for instance, when we started watching MMA in the mid-2000s, we're not kids. We it's, it's, it's not like I can just sit down and watch every event all the time. It's like there's other things I got going on in my life. Wait, we're not kids? <laughs> Hold on. No, I'm Explain saying, I'm again? saying, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm sorry. I might have messed up my words. I meant that it's not like in the mid 2000s where oh, we okay, are. Oh, okay. I kids. see what you mean. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. not, we're not kids yeah, now. Now we're not kids like when we first started watching MMA. But I mentioned like the attachment that isn't there. But I think what I'm trying to get at is like that fondness that you have with, MMA and just, I don't know, for instance, I'll use you and I as an example. We came up during a certain time and during that time where the sport was exploding and we're thinking, wow, this is amazing. There were certain people who were a part of it at that time. And I wonder if it's one of those things where like, because we have those fond memories of it, we're more attached and have more of a soft spot for those guys as opposed to the guys who are fighting nowadays. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Like, because like, I think there's always like a fondness that you sort of have, like, I guess for instance, and you know, it is a little bit of nostalgia. I'll say that for instance, as an example, I recently saw Spider-Man no way home and it's just, I'm a fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, and that's just because of, you know, the memories that I have watching that movie. If I were to see those movies as an adult, I don't know if I would feel the same way, but it's just having that sort of attachment to it because of those memories that were created in association with that. That's why you, you're, 
I don't know. You're more attached and you're just, I don't, I don't know how else to say it other than you're more fond of it. Yeah. I, it's like a sense of nostalgia for sure. But, but here's the thing though. I don't think it's entirely just based on nostalgia because here's the thing that I'm thinking about. You could have somebody who's becoming an MMA fan now or in the last couple of years. And for instance, all those names I mentioned, like Devalishvili, Arnold Allen, Brad Riddell, all of those guys, that new fan may get attached to those names. And basically how I feel about guys like Fedor Emelianenko, Mirko Krokop, Sakuraba, all those guys, that person will have that same kind of feeling for today's fighters. So, sorry, go. No, I mean, that's... That's the nostalgia for us seeing those great fights mm -hmm. back in those days. I mean, today someone might look at McGregor and Khabib fondly. No, but or... that I can under like that I can understand though. And like, you know what? It's funny that you're saying that. It's I find it really interesting you're saying that because it's gonna lead into a point that I have. Guys like Connor and Habib those guys are legends or one of the most well-known names in the sport so it makes sense that people would remember them and people would view them in the same way that you and i do for instance fedor emelianenko or prime anderson silva but i'm not just talking about the biggest names or the champions or the most famous fighters i'm just talking about just in general the current landscape of who's in the sport right now because for instance you know that i have a bunch of mma magazines from back in the day so this was a magazine that I, that I used to get that I really liked. It's called Fight Sport. So, okay. So I don't know. I know it's a little out of focus, but basically yeah, yeah. it's, it's a uh, white right on the cover there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like the imagery of the magazine. Funny how things haven't really changed as far as him being with a big pile of money and all that stuff. Well, <laughs> Dana will do anything for the money, I guess. Yeah, that is true. But <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, I mentioned like the guys who were at the top of their divisions, like Fedor, GSP, or Anderson Silva. But when I read you the names that are in, like, because a part of this magazine is that they had fighter rankings. So it's also like the people who were in the sport at the time. Like, let me read you some of the names. For instance, at heavyweight, you had Fedor at number one. Then you had Noguera, Mirko Krokop, Josh Barnett, Randy Couture, Andre Arlovsky. And then when you go to light heavyweight, for instance, at number one, you have Chuck Liddell. Then beneath him, you have Shogun. Then Dan Henderson, Vanderlei Silva. A little bit down the rankings, you have Rampage Jackson. It's like those names just... I, I don't know. It's just those are guys who have cemented... I mean, I don't... I don't know. It's weird because it's like hindsight. I can say, okay, these are legends, but at the time these were, they, these guys were kind of in the same positions that today's fighters are, but it's just like, can it be said that there was maybe a little bit, I feel like there's something to those names that just stands out to me. I think it's cause, I mean, we grew up, sorry. I, I think it's because we grew up at that time and mm -hmm. like you said hindsight is 2020 i mean it is yeah because like i don't I'm, know i'm, I, I'm, I, trying, to, I, I'm I, trying to discover this a little bit or i'm trying to figure out like what exactly i'm getting at here i get it because those names definitely mean more to me than let's say like uh, Armin Michael Sarduki. Chandler oh, okay, or Max Holloway. Like those guys are top tier fighters too. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I can understand people gravitating towards those names a little bit more than some of, you know, some of the other people who are in the, the rankings right now. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of those guys and everything, but how I feel about a Max Holloway or Dustin Poirier is not the same as, you know, if we look at the featherweight rankings, somebody like Max Holloway, like somebody like Bryce Mitchell doesn't stand out to me like a Max Holloway does or at lightweight. 
Dustin Poirier kind of draws my attention a lot more than a Gregor Gillespie. Stuff like that. And I guess like the thing I was trying to get at, or maybe the thing I was trying to say is that back then, even the contenders had a plethora of these just well-known, marketable talent who just had a certain individuality or character to them, I suppose. I think, A, it's probably part of the era of MMA we were in, where mm -hmm. there was a lot of comparisons to professional wrestling at the time. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say everyone had a gimmick. No, no, but... no, 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 no. I'm not saying everybody, I'm not talking about gimmicks. I just mean like you knew what their personalities yeah, were exactly. and they shined. I, I, I think, like I said, it was a lot of personality driven. I feel like today, you know, they're all professional athletes. As you opposed I mean? to what? As opposed to like this weird new sport that's like pro wrestling, but real. Mm -hmm. That was the image of MMA at the time. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, it's like pro wrestling, but real you know <laughs> yeah i mean i remember that was a that was a big selling point with that yeah so i i still think people were they had like their persona kind of their character mm -hmm. like Andrele silva was the axe murderer what the hell did that mean i don't know but like <laughs> it gave you a certain image and impression and then he always did his signature stare down. Like, oh man, yeah, that was him. And then yeah. you just see him throw these savage knees and elbows and beat people down like that. You know, it, it's yeah. like, and he'd but get all bloody and beat up. And it's like the name, his stare down, it all kind of fit together. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, like Chuck for... Liddell was yep. the Iceman. Yeah, and. He always wore blue. He had that mohawk. Yeah. And he, he had just swing wild like the... and knock people out. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's funny because you mentioned Chuck Liddell's a good example. I'm going to get to that point in a second, but there's one thing. There's another example I want to mention. The fact that Rampage Jackson, he would come out and he would have the, the chain around his neck and he would yes. howl on his way to the, to the octagon or the ring or while they're doing announcing or whatever. And, it's funny that you mentioned Chuck Liddell because that leads into a point that I may have. I wonder if some of that character and personality shining through is a little bit stifled because of the uniform deal the UFC has. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, because I don't know if you're, it, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. They made it a rule recently that fighters can't come out with their country's flags anymore. Oh man, really? I mean, that could be part of it, honestly. I do notice, like, it did kind of happen around the Reebok era when yeah, well, the no, UFC no. signed with Reebok. Yeah, but the that... flag thing, this was, like, a few weeks ago. No, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of fighters just, they couldn't get their sponsorships. And I guess instead of personality, it would just turn into, like, personality outside the ring or talking smack outside the ring during press conferences and all that you know, you know it's interesting it's interesting i wonder if there's a proliferation of that since that happened because because of the uniform deal there's less ways for i guess fighters to kind of make themselves distinguishable or remember him i mean like yeah you know i it, yeah if, if we're gonna if we're just gonna set aside physical appearances like chuck liddell with his mohawk i'm gonna use shorts as an example because that falls in line with the uniform deal that the ufc had with reebok and now what they have with venom and i i feel like i've said this example so many times to other people but now i can say it on here on air but back in the day you had chuck liddell like we mentioned he wore the blue shorts with the icicles on them bj penn he would have his shorts and on the design of it he would have his black belt on his shorts they would like draw it in or paint it in or whatever the hell whatever they do with that mirko krokop had the checkerboard shorts 
Anderson Silva with his ye classic yellow and black trunks. But now it's like, I, I think we've had this discussion before that nowadays, if they wanted to do that, they wouldn't be able to. But I remember a while ago, you said that for a guy like Chuck Liddell, they would make an exception. I mean, I don't know what they would do now. <laughs> it's like, would someone like Chuck Liddell even be such a draw anymore compared to someone else who just has more outside the ring, outside the cage antics? You know what I mean? That is... That's a big what if, you know? Yeah, it's a I'm little bit of a difficult... If. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question to ask because, I mean, since this episode is focused on the fighters, I mean... I think it's appropriate to get into a conversation like this. Just the fact that I don't know exactly how to answer your question because Chuck Liddell had such a unique look and vibe to him. And not only that, he had the fighting style that everybody loved to see. Striker, yeah. knockouts, all that shit. Yeah. So it, it would be kind of, it's kind of weird to see like, okay, would people gravitate more to a Connor if they had a guy like Chuck Liddell in his prime. I, that's a big what if. I mean, cause at the time you still had a lot of smack talkers who did have like a great following and fans, you know, like yeah. Chael Sonnen, people, there were people who loved him, you know? Yes, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Michael Bisping at the time too. There were people who liked that smack talking troll persona. Yeah, know, I mean, so. there's always going to be those type of people. I mean, whether yeah. it was like in the 90s with Tito Ortiz or the the 2010s with Chael Sonnen, the mid 2010s with Connor. I'm not sure exactly who is in the 2020s. I guess we'll kind of see who defines I mean, that. Colby Covington. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don yeah. Cerrone. Well, I mean, I just, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm a little thrown off because it's just like, I don't want to give Colby any, you know, I don't want to talk about that guy. Yeah. I think it goes back to like a lot of fighters now. They, it's, it's almost like they can only have personality outside the cage. You know what I mean? Because whatever they want to do on broadcast during fights is stifled or just yeah. shut down. Honestly, I feel like nowadays the the fighter with the most personality in the cage for me right now is probably like someone like Clay Guida. Oh, because because of his hair or because his of the hair, fact that he's like moving around all the time? His hair, his fight style. All those weird mm -hmm. clips of him, like, just burping and, like, being just, like, a weird-looking caveman almost, you know, in, in the cage. Like, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you're saying that because just a quick funny story about Clay Guida. He fought Kenny Florian in December of 2009, UFC 107. And I remember I was watching a replay of that event. I'm just, and I'm at that part with the Clay Guida-Kenny Florian fight. And I'm doing something, I don't remember what it was, but I couldn't look at the screen. So it's in between rounds, and then all of a sudden I hear a burp, and I'm just thinking, wait. Yeah. I was like thinking, wait, what? I was like, who did that just now? Or just, I was thinking like, was that Guida? And then I rewind it, and then I look at the screen this time, and I see, yeah, it was Clay Guida. <laughs> like, he's one of the few people who, I mean, now they're, He's one of the few in today's day and age where there's like a vibe, there's like a persona to him, even inside the cage when he's fighting, you know? Yep. And also another there... person might be like Nate Diaz, where it's like, all right, you got like the bad boy stoner Nate Diaz who just doesn't <laughs> give a fuck about any anything at all. Well, there was a photo of him pissing outside the Performance Institute last week. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, he's not happy. I mean, he wants to get out of the UFC. I mean, oh, that is, I bet, man. That, like, that, is he... a guy, that is a guy who has one fight left on his contract. And I'm just like, dude, he ain't re-signing when that's done. I mean, 
the vibe I get from him is he's never happy, man. It's like he probably needs to smoke even more weed and hopefully not get banned by the UFC. Well, again, but here's you know? the thing. Him being unhappy with UFC, like, I get that. I understand why. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like part of that also just comes out when he fights, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, definitely. His fighting style is characterized by those attributes that you just mentioned. Exactly. It's. I, I see what you're saying. And I, I feel like in today's age where everything's so, I guess you could say corporate in the UFC. Yeah. There's a uniform. There's like, it's almost like there is a code of conduct because you're a professional athlete. Well, it's funny that you're saying that because the UFC did have an official code of conduct rule set that their fighters had to abide by. There was stuff that they used to enforce in the early 2010s. Coincidentally enough, Nate Diaz got got punished or cited or whatever you 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 want to use to call that. But like basically, Nate Diaz did something that was in violation of the code of conduct, and UFC addressed that, took care of that. But from my understanding, the reason why they don't enforce that anymore is because then that blurs the lines about whether UFC fighters are employees or independent contractors. So it's like wonderful. It all comes down to money and yeah. Well, basically the idea is that if you have to abide by a code of conduct, so that means we're employees, which means that we're entitled to certain things. So the UFC is like, mm, no. <laughs> wonderful. I mean, cause I mean, that makes sense. If you're an employee, you got to represent them in a certain way. Oh man. I mean that's a whole nother can of worms, you know, yeah. fight your pay and all that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I guess getting back on the topic of the fighters themselves, there I guess like I, I think I don't know, I guess maybe if I think about it a little harder, like why those names sort of have more of an attachment to me and like for instance how somebody of today who's a who becomes a fan is going to get attracted to some of the names that i mentioned is just i guess part of it is kind of like the memories th that you have the nostalgia and i i guess that's one of the things that kind of draws people to mma at first and because i mentioned this all the time i follow this individual named luke thomas and he was saying in some of his videos last month just how when people first start watching mixed martial arts they don't necessarily fall in love with the sport itself they fall in love with the fighters that are in it or that they gravitate towards and it's like you know to an extent i i agree with that because i mean mma is not what it is without the fighters and you're going to watch whoever's currently fighting at that time. So it's like, there is some truth to that. And the reason why is because they create certain memories when you're watching it. Yeah, I mean, I also think now, like we said, it, it's hard to make a... It's hard to create like a very lively persona in the ring you know when you're actually fighting and i guess back in the day they had the advantage of being able to like walk into the cage with a giant chain around their neck or like wearing a hmm. gi like gsp did or something oh yeah to kind of add to that branding now they don't really get a chance to do that so it really comes down to like being like a very memorable fighter you know with a very memorable personality in the ring outside the ring and having your fighting style kind of reflect that mm-hmm mm -hmm. but like i guess I'm, that i i guess like so is that your theory as far as why some of the fighters who are in the rankings now that i mentioned like why they don't kind of draw you know, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but for instance, you and I, it doesn't draw our attention like the fighters of yesteryear. Yeah. I mean, we don't know their stories. We don't have an image 
we can kind of attach to. Mm -hmm. And granted, a lot of this is hindsight because I don't know. Did did Forrest Griffin really have an image if you took away winning <laughs> Ultimate Fighter from him? You know, I mean, he it's... did become light heavyweight champion. He beat Rampage yeah. for it. And I, I feel like he's one of the least memorable light heavyweight champs of that time. Besides the fact he was like the first winner of the Ultimate Fighter, you know. Oh. Well, if we want to be, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was going to go into technicality saying that Diego Sanchez is the first because his fight happened before Forrest's, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost reinforced my point again. It's like the dude had nothing else except they kept pushing that little fact down everyone's throat as like a little... <laughs> A little marketing thing you know and well i mean because it's you know it's the first one it's the first ultimate fighter yeah. of course you're gonna remember that i don't know but it... other than that like personality wise i didn't i didn't gravitate that much towards him at all i was like he's a nice guy i guess but hmm. you know what i mean it's like in terms of like would i would i shell out money to watch a forrest griffin pay-per-view i guess if i had time to kill you know but it wouldn't be like shelling out money to watch someone like chuck liddell fight rampage mm, yeah i remember that was a big fight yeah that day. was like a oh my god moment you know even when he fought vanderlei you know that that was still like an oh my god moment like well yeah because it was a dream fight that people wanted and basically you had the most dominant light heavyweight in ufc against the most dominant light heavyweight well they called it middleweight in their company but you had the those popular the 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 two most popular fighters in the division of these two companies facing off with each other but i also think it was like the persona you know oh, yeah you had... yeah definitely the Iceman who would just knock people out with like a big fat overhand right versus <laughs> the axe murderer who would just tear your face apart with his knees and elbows. Yeah. Like on paper in the highlight reels and the previews and the promos, like Yuri knew what you're getting. An epic fight. At least like that, that was the anticipation. I remember in the, you know, yeah, there's some truth to what you're saying right there, because I remember the the commercials that they would have for UFC 79, they would talk about that and like they would show highlights of their knockouts and all that stuff. And one of the pieces of audio they used for Vanderlei Silva was one of the commentators. I don't remember who it was. He was saying Vanderlei Silva is the most dangerous man I've ever seen or something along those lines. And it just does that while they're showing him like soccer kicking somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those are days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, a modern super fight of this era. I don't know. Even, like, the Conor McGregor versus Khabib fight, it wasn't... It was I, more all about the bad beef between them that really sold that fight and all of Conor's smack-talking. Yeah. I, I wouldn't not, say not so Not to much... say, like, they don't have a impressive highlight reel, but... Well, I think you weren't I, going into that to see like some epic duel or battle that you kind of had in your mind. I mean, some people were, but I, I feel like a lot of the momentum this, for that it was based off the smack talk and the beef. Yeah, you know? it wasn't based on some sort of legendary mythos behind these guys. And I, I get what you're saying because, for instance, how Connor Habib is different from like Vanderlei Silva, Chuck Liddell when they finally fought was that. Habib and Connor were already in the same organization. They were in the same weight class. And it's not like this was a fight that was years and years of speculation finally going to happen. It, it wasn't like that. You know, another example would be like if Randy and Fedor actually fought each other. That's a super fight. Yeah. Or, or I guess another factor or I guess another qualification for a super fight would be like the champion of one division going up or down to fight the champion of the other division like a gsp bj penn in 2009 yeah but uh, i don't know maybe maybe because i was way more into the sport then but the gsp and bj penn fight also had that 
you have like GSP who's just known to be one of the hardest working fighters of all time. Yeah. And you also have BJ Penn who's like the total opposite of that. Yeah. Who just super chill, super naturally talented. So well, I think it's a clash of personalities and styles exactly, because, yeah. because it's like not only were these guys the champions of their respective weight divisions, the reason why they had the super fight was because like literally almost nobody could touch them. Nobody could like nobody was a challenge for them. Like they were clearing out their division because when you look at GSP at that time, he, you know, he had that stumbling block against Matt Sarah, but then he came back beat Josh Koscheck, Matt Hughes, got the belt back, beat John Fitch. And then you had BJ Penn, who he was coming off a three-fight win streak at lightweight. Two of those were title fights, and it's just like, okay, I need to move up because I need to challenge myself. I need to have some type of challenge. Yeah. and See, I, That's a, lot a super of it, fight because of yeah. the mythos. Yeah. And I guess like the closest we'll ever get to that now. I mean, maybe we'll see. Oh, but like, I got one. First I, thing... I got one for you. Or, you okay. know what? You say 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 yours. Go well, ahead. the first thing that comes to my mind is if Khabib ever comes back, which I I don't think he will. But if he ever comes back and like fights, I don't know whoever's in the lightweight division. Like, well, I mean, people are always talking about. Well, not always, but. Over the last couple of years, people have been talking about a Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira, Habib Nurmagomedov fight. But it's like, would that even be as epic? Well, I... then this is where my suggestion comes in. Let me throw this possible dream fight. Okay. I think a fight nowadays that would fall under that category would be, and I don't know, maybe this will happen because there's been some talks of them trying to get it to happen like later this year. John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. Yeah, I could. That's that's a that's a super that's, fight. That's yeah, that is of... a pretty super fight. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there yeah. we go. I mean, other than that, oh, here's another example I'll give. For instance, this one I literally just thought of it. Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I all mean. Right. It's not, I wouldn't well, but, see that as epic as being, but yeah, I, but it I, I is can see a that. Super fight I can see the, yeah, I can see the appeal of that, you know? Cause, cause you had the longtime featherweight champion fighting the longtime bantamweight champion and all that stuff. Let me just kind of glance through the rankings, see if like what else would be truly epic. I don't know. Maybe if Henry Cejudo comes back and he, decides to go for the bantam well no but even then it's not quite the same um, yeah it, it's i mean I, I feel like a lot of these though it, it's it is based a lot on their technical prowess yeah i mean if that is a personality trait oh. in the ring i guess I, I don't know there may be one more that i just came across if valentina shevchenko and amanda nunez fought for a third time I mean, for the third time, though, you know, that's so far. I would want to see them fight. I don't think I'd go out of my way to kind of try to pay for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so far, the only fight nowadays that would fall under that category is John Jones and Stipe. Yeah, I just want to see John Jones lose, but knowing him, he's probably <laughs> going to find some way to be an <laughs> asshole and win. I have no idea. I mean, hell. If that fight ends up happening, then we can do a prediction episode about it. Oh God! Okay. I mean, I mean, if you don't want to, fine. But I'm just saying, like, we. I can... mean, yeah, I'd be down to, but oh, man, John Jones. <laughs> I, I he used to be one of my favorite fighters at that time, and then all the shenanigans and just. What are you talking like... about? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You had me concerned there for a minute, man. Oh, man. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, but it's interesting that I didn't consider how much of hindsight might be playing into a factor of me being very fond of some of the fighters that I mentioned from 10 or 15 years ago. It's, it's only having this conversation right here that I'm thinking, 
maybe the only reason I'm more attached to those names is because of the nostalgia or just knowing what they would go on to achieve and all that stuff. And like, I don't know who's to say that some of the guys who are in the rankings right now won't become legendary down the line. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I, hmm. I still kind of think a lot of fighters now, very few of them have like a personality in the ring or cage that also translates to their fighting style that like a cloud pleasing fight style that also fits their personality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. I get what you're saying. Is that like they can't do something that will serve both masters where just like, okay, they have a personality that will make them a draw, but it's also authentic to who they are as a person. Right. Like for instance, Demetrius Johnson trying to be a Conor McGregor. That would not draw because that's not who he is. Yeah. Yeah. But he has a really dynamic fight style that that is very exciting. And I think it fits him as as a person. Like he's a really well-rounded athlete. Yeah. I mean, it, it just fits kind of like him. Mm-hmm. I get that. I don't know. No, I get that. I get that. And, you know, something that I feel like is maybe a little important to just sort of mention is I'm sort of saying how, like, it's hard for me to get attached or really get behind some of these names that are in the sport of MMA now. But what I'm not saying is that these are bad fighters. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's like just because I'm not as attached or I'm as familiar or as big of a fan of these guys as I was of like the previous generations, that doesn't mean that they're bad fighters or they're not worth watching. Basically what I'm was just getting at is that I'm just, I don't know. I, I just don't, I just don't or didn't know them as well. And it just creates this lack of familiarity or just, I don't know. I, I guess like, when I think about the names that used to be in MMA, there's a part of me that's sort of thinking, man, those those are really some big names and just stars, and I just don't feel that right now. I mean, I, I think part of it is kind of, would you go out of your way to see this fighter fight in a pay-per-view event? And part of that does come with just the branding and the personality of the fighter in and out of the cage. Yeah. And I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of that is a little hampered now with the UFC having every fighter wearing a specific uniform, mm -hmm. not having outside sponsors for these fighters when they're in the cage. Cause I feel like that was like another thing back in the day. It's like if I saw someone wearing like bad boy shorts, I, I kind of felt compelled to get a pair of bad boy shorts see, when see, I did no gi training, you know? And, like, and even and even just right now, right when you mentioned bad boy shorts, I think of Shogun Hua. Right, right. <laughs> like that's so the first I, guy I think of. I mean, I like the new gear by Venom for the UFC. It's much better than the Reebok stuff. Oh, God, yeah. But it's like, if the only difference is the fighter's name on a pair of shorts, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't... It doesn't feel as cool, I guess. Yeah, I get that. And that's just based on some of the examples I mentioned earlier in this episode. Yeah. I, I guess, I don't know. I feel like... I feel as though the amount of time that you have to, I guess, watch these fighters or like watch MMA kind of plays a role because, you know, for instance, if we look at the time frame between 2010 and 2015, I was still pretty familiar with all the guys who are in there. And I guess part of that was just due to the fact that there was this, I, I think, I think, the reason why I don't feel that way from that time frame, like 2010 to 2015, is because of two reasons. One is that there was still a good amount of 
names who were still in like in play or in the picture from when I first started watching. And then two was that, I don't know, it seemed like there was a little bit of a gradual transition to that between the old guard and like the new players in the game where, for instance, instead of just having Randy Couture and, and Josh Barnett in the rankings at heavyweight, then you got the addition of Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos. They kind of blended into from the previous era going into the new era. And I just, I don't know. I think also just timing was a very big thing about it. It was just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm not as familiar with them. Because like I said, during that three year time span from 2019, I wasn't watching it as much. So I couldn't get familiar with these names like I used to. Yeah, I, what is a transition period? You know what I mean? I guess within the context of this, when I'm talking about MMA, I guess from transition would be like, I don't know, new like fighters coming into the scene, the new type of fighter that's dominating the sport. Stuff like that, I guess. That's all I, that's the best answer I could give right now. Because hmm. I mean, like for instance, Hmm. I, I, I guess I, my I, point is it's like it, it might seem like a transitory like a transition period for us but mm -hmm. i don't know what if someone started watching the sport now it well, would yeah be... that's why that's why i'm saying that's sort of along the lines of what i was saying earlier is that like if you have somebody who's a recent fan who's only gotten into the sport in the last couple of years they'll probably have the same feeling that i did back in 2006 2007. Uh, okay okay what no i mean i i guess but also i don't know you know you it seems like you have a thought that you're trying to try well, to I, I don't know i'm just trying to figure out how much of like my view is tainted by nostalgia and my feelings towards everything at the time it's yeah, like, would, are, you would a, about, are you talking about would, MMA or just in general? MMA and these names. I'm just thinking, I, I think it'd be fun if we had a newer fan who just started now watch some of these old fights. Some of these old fighters that mean so much to us and get their opinion on that. I mean, I think I think a newer fan, I mean, I can't say for certain unless we actually do this case study, but I feel like somebody can look at fights from the past and if they're in entertaining and competitive enough they would like it i i mean i would like to think that yeah i'm just I mean, curious i mean because like we said before it was totally a different era of mma and the striking part of the game definitely wasn't as refined as it is now yeah i'm just curious what uh a current fan would think of like someone like Chuck Liddell just throwing these reckless right hands and still beating someone versus someone like Volkanovsky who's just a master precision tactician which kind of know. falls in which which kind of falls in line with another point that Luke Thomas says they fall in love with the fighters so it's like if they gravitate towards the names and not the sport itself, then does that mean that they're not going to find fights of the past entertaining to watch? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's huh. kind of the point I'm trying to get at. Which I guess that could be a problem if you become a fan of the fighters and not the sport, is that, okay, you love these fights so much because it has, I don't know, uh, Anderson Silva or GSP in it, and it's not because it's a thrilling fight. And that's another point that he tries to make is that MMA fandom, being a fan of the sport itself, that's sometimes a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, but regardless, MMA would not be what it is without the fighters. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more stuff that we can talk about with this particular subject matter. I don't know if you're kind of feeling the same way. I think you can go into many different like avenues. Yeah. Like just 
how big does personality of each fighter matter or is it really just results of their wins and losses i think it's a combination of both right and then but then it's like also back in the day you just had people with really crowd-pleasing fight styles but crap records you know like (laughs) tank abbott is an example people just loved watching this big fat dude like this cannonball of a human being rush recklessly at someone you know it's yeah (laughs) i don't know man i don't think that would fly today you know what i mean like maybe maybe not i don't know it's crazy yeah but i mean you know it's interesting because i feel like we can continue this conversation and as much as i would like to just don't have time to do that right now But thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Our username is at UnifiedRulesPO1. We're on Instagram at UnifiedRulesPodcast. And then if you have questions or inquiries, you can email us at UnifiedRulesPodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good day.